Hello there. Thank you for joining me today on No Bull with Brian Bullock. Today I'm going to talk about a very special American. This American was born on the 4th of July. He was a member of the greatest generation. He was one of 16 million who served his country in World War II. It has been estimated by national, the National World War II Museum that 296 World War II veterans are dying each day. There's only roughly 325,000 veterans still surviving out of the 16 million. This person, this soldier, this hero from America, for America, was actually even in a more distinguished and unique class of patriot. He served America in three wars, in World War II, in Korea, and Vietnam. This podcast is hosted on Anchor. Anchor is a platform that allows you to do uh, podcasts for free. Check them out on anchor.fm. Again, it's anchor.fm or download their app. You can do this for free. Back in 2019 on Veterans Day, the Cameron, Missouri newspaper posted a Veterans Voice, a special magazine honoring our military veterans. These were veterans that were living in the area of Cameron, Missouri. Merle K. Green was one of those veterans. Here is the article. Current Lathrop, Missouri resident Merle K. Green was born on July 4th, 1921 in Winston, Missouri. He grew up a farm boy and graduated from Winston High School. Merle saw action in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. He enlisted in the military in 1942 at Jefferson Barracks in St. Louis, Missouri, where he took basic training for the Army Air Corps. One memory of Jefferson Barracks is the frequent dress parades for various dignitaries, including the Missouri governor. The weather was often very hot. On one particular parade, their base was joined by a regular Army unit, swelling the parade ground at 3,000 men. The ceremony ended up being three hours long and men were passing out in the columns. They were directed to keep marching and to step over those passed out. After basic, Merle was assigned for a short time to West Point, Colorado near a military prison where he was assigned guard duty. But there was little action since there was a perimeter fence patrolled by large German shepherds. Most of their action was preventing escapes from outside work details. Next, Merle went to Lincoln Air Force Base for training on the C-47 aircraft, then to Alliance, Nebraska for advanced aircraft mechanics. The C-47s were primarily used as transports for paratroopers and infantry units going into battle. Merle then went to Santa Monica, California to Douglas Aircraft School where he qualified as a flight engineer, a member of a flight crew. 
He went from California directly to Guadalcanal and was to spend almost three full years in the South Pacific. Based on a re relatively secure island, Green and his planes spent most of their time transporting troops, equipment, and ammunition to combat areas and transporting wounded back to field hospitals. Merle and his plane completed 300 combat hours out of 1,800 total flying hours, touching down on 17 different islands in the Pacific Theater during World War II. Merle had a number of experiences to relate. On one occasion, their crew was assigned a new navigator. After eight hours of flight over water, they were running very low on fuel, about 30 gallons with no land in sight. It was dark. They assumed they might have to ditch at sea, and the odds of survival would be slim. They sent out an SOS, but received no reply. They later learned that their SOS had been picked up by a German submarine operating in the Pacific, which had jammed the radio signals. As they lowered in altitude, they suddenly spotted a distant light. The pilot was uncertain if they were seeing a runway or a highway, but had a choice and had to attempt the landing, which fortunately turned out to be successful. As they were landing, they left the left engine stopped out of fuel and they knew that the right engine was on fumes. A jeep appeared to pick them up. They asked the name of the island and the jeep driver said Sunday. They thought he was telling them the date and only learned later that it actually was Sunday Island. The next day they were able to refuel but the new navigator was not allowed back in the cockpit. On another occasion, the plane was placed on autopilot and both the pilot and co-pilot took a nap, leaving Merle to be on watch. After a while, he noticed distant objects on the water, which they were flying directly toward. As they came nearer, Merle recognized that it was an entire fleet of warships, including carriers. It was the fleet totaling 53 ships on its way for the invasion of the Philippines. Suddenly, two warning shots were fired. This woke up both pilots, who soon found a fighter plane alongside, asking for their code for the day. The pilot could not remember it and had put it away in his briefcase. They were not shot down, but later there was a severe reprimand, and they were told they were very fortunate that they weren't shot down, as planes were not allowed to fly over a fleet. The pilot was grounded for 30 days, but since there was a shortage of pilots, he was actually allowed to fly the very next day. Once they were making their approach to the landing strip at Hell's Point in northern Guadalcanal when they noticed huge clouds of black smoke coming from the ground, they assumed it was the result of an enemy attack, but it was actually the large armory exploding on the ground. Planes were advised not to land, but once again they were low on fuel and allowed to land. They parked the plane as far away as possible and hid as best they could. Bombs and shells exploded for three days before being extinguished. There were a lot of close calls for Merle, and Merle says it was total chaos. Merle sailed back for the States on July 4th, 1945, which was his birthday. 
the ship traveled without lights and on a zigzag course. The only lights on board were below deck in the latrine. Merle would take a book and read. One night, about 2 a.m., there was a violent and sudden stop. All hands rushed on deck to learn the ship had run aground. The boat captain advised that there would be no lights and no call for help since they were still in hostile waters. After three days, dropping and moving anchors, they were able to get back afloat and continued their trip back to the States. They landed at San Bernardino, California. It was late on Saturday evening and no transportation available. Most of the men went to local bars, but Merle was hungry for a big steak. Local girls were crowded around him and he managed to dump the entire dinner on his dress pants. The restaurant owner stepped in, had Merle remove his pants, and took them next door to a laundry and persuaded them to do an emergency cleaning. He never did get his steak. There was another time when they were assigned a new pilot, a captain who considered himself a hotshot. There were a lot of storms around and the new captain ignored the experienced pilot's advice to fly around them. That afternoon, Merle discovered that they were rapidly approaching a, an incoming typhoon. Merle asked the experienced pilot if they should advise the new captain. The pilot said no. He ignores my advice. Let him decide what to do. They flew directly into the typhoon and had the wildest ride possible. As they entered the typhoon, the plane encountered three separate downdrafts rapidly dropping the plane 7,000 feet in altitude, then encountering an updraft, which quickly shot them back up 7,000 feet. It was extremely stressful on the plane, ranging from nose-down dives to nose-up climbs to the stall point, all the time with warning signals going off. They were temporarily in the eye of the storm, but had to undergo the same rapid ups and downs as they flew out. When they exited the storm, they were at 3,000 feet and with a broken elevator control cable. They were later told that they were the first C-47 to survive a typhoon. On another occasion, a pilot with only 20 hours of flying experience had to crash land in New Guinea. The plane ended up on the bank of a river. There were 27 large oxygen tanks on board, which all came to sliding forward with the crash. Everyone managed to get out, but they realized the pilot was still inside. His hands were tight on the controls and he was looking straight forward. They realized he was in shock and had a difficult time getting him to leave the plane. One evening, he and a buddy went to a performance at a geisha house. They were surprised when they had to remove their shoes and sit on the floor with a short table. He said the food was fine and the show was equal to anything he had ever seen out of Hollywood. Merle developed malaria at one point, running a temperature between 104 and 106. He was burning up a fever, but ordered to remain under a blanket as he tried to break the temperature. He requested to go back to their base on Guadalcanal, 
actually boarding the plane and setting the flight plan before an ambulance showed up and took him back to the hospital. It was a long recovery. After World War II, Merle joined the Air Force and was promoted to senior master sergeant and began working as a mechanic, keeping planes flying in both the Korean War and Vietnam. In both cases, it was virtually an endless job. After leaving the military, Merle worked as TWA for 17 years. He received two commendations for exceptional maintenance performance. What I'm looking for is any surviving three war veterans like Merle. He is one of maybe a thousand, maybe less than a thousand. If you know of any three war veterans that served in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam, please reply. Send me a message via this uh, site, and uh, I'd love to talk to these folks. Thank you for joining to me, joining me today on Noble with Brian Bullock. Until next time, be well and be safe.